Kiara said that to me. Yeah. She tried to humble you. I was like, um, <laughs> we're in two different boats. You know what I'm saying? Like that part. And then I was like, how? I'm not like feeding none. I'm not like a look at me type of person. I haven't said that. I'm not a look at me type of person. I don't care what social media things about me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, like I do stuff to like motivate people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No like period. Like I like when I got my car, I didn't flash my car. I didn't take pictures. All look at me. Da 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 da. All look at the. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Yeah. Some people like, oh, you got a car? I just pull up in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. It's like, cool right now. Yeah, I'm not walking. Don't get announce your moves. Right. And now I'm mad y'all was really thought my podcast studio is my bedroom. And then I would post it on Snapchat. Only a few people was like, yeah, send me the Addy, or they would think that it was fake. I'm literally only here telling y'all I got okay, guests yeah. coming. You should post it this so we can see. Nope. You. See, no, no, don't let them know your next move. I don't even care who knows about it. Don't worry. Well, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to Gen Z. We're back with season three. Uh, and also, like, I'm pretty sure you can tell by the background, it's a different studio. Okay. We're back. We're better than ever. You know Out of the bedroom. So. We were never <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> I'm not gonna disrespect. Please don't disrespect. Never. <laughs> Actually, no. You're right. Because <laughs> uh, you know how they have like another loft in your front room yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, right down the door. <laughs> My parents them use that room. Okay. And then we, and then we grew out of it. You know, for like two seasons, I was in the studio. Now we're in the. Remember, like this studio is definitely a vibe. I remember I came to visit it last year. This mm-hmm. is in your first studio? No, it's not my first studio. Okay. Other, yeah, my other one was probably like 20 minutes from me. Okay. Yeah, no, we were talking about this is a good location. Yeah. You were scared you were in like Phoenix, Phoenix. Like yeah. <laughs> me too. But I when I was like looking for trying to tour new uh studios, I was like, yes. Oh, like is it deep? Am I gonna see like a lot of homeless people? Am I gonna see like like a lot of trash? Mm-hmm. When I was like a great hotel no, yeah. across the yeah. street. Luxury apartment. Yes. Yeah. I was like, this is dope. Okay. Right. And a whole gate for parking. Right. Yeah, parking itself. That was right. Right. That was our biggest concern. Yes, and we do have a special guest. Can't forget about to get a special guest. We have Miss Joyce on the other end Hello. here. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I know, like, we... I'm going to just let you say everything. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to just let you take it away, introduce yourself, t- <laughs> tell us what you do and everything. I don't want to mess nothing up. That's why. <laughs> okay, okay. So my name is Joyce Miles Chicote. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, supervisor, and I'm also a licensed chemical dependency counselor. So what that means is I have a lot of letters behind my name that don't mean a lot to most people. I'm just a therapist. Okay. Yes, I actually did know she had a lot of letters behind her name. That's why I didn't want to introduce you. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I ain't going to try. Okay, that's a lot of alphabets. I know maybe C's though, but that's a lot of alphabets. It is a lot of letters. Yeah, so congratulations on that. You said you graduated in 2014. So tell yeah. us, like, just tell us about that. Because one, I definitely dropped out of college. I finished one year and I was done. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Y'all can have it. It's not for me. So tell so, us about your class experience. I'm going to be honest. I did not have the typical college experience. I lived on the dorms for one summer semester. Um, then I lived at home. And I always worked two jobs. And took more classes than I would ever recommend somebody do. <laughs> so I didn't have the typical college experience. I was like, let me just get this done. <laughs> oh yeah. You was like, you know what? No, all the time I'm you you folk, you had a tunnel vision, huh? 
Pretty much, pretty much. Oh, jeez. Because you like now you think like college is like, oh yeah, let's party, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like homework can wait, right? <laughs> homework can wait. I actually live like my college life through my friends. <laughs> like I <laughs> hey, I'm on Snapchat. I was like, oh yeah, what y'all doing? All right, classes. Oh, y'all graduating. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Go ahead, walk across the stage from me. <laughs> like I no. just be so hype. I just be so hype. Yes. No, my experience was definitely different. I was very much, but I'm going to be honest. I was a mom at that point in time. I already had my eldest child, so I was just like, "You did all that." I've got things to do in the board. I have two. Oh wow! Jesus, you're aspirational. Let me sit up straight. (laughs) Right, come on now. (laughs) Right, I was, I was coming on here. I was like. I don't go sit. What am I wearing? Like I got therapists on this show. You know what I'm saying? Like my first special guest. I'm like, what? Am I, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to sound like I don't know because I'm definitely goofy. So I was like, <clears throat> let me be. There's no need to be anything but your guys' self. I mean, honestly, like I tell people when they come to therapy, you come as you are. I have seen everybody from, you know, got curlers or rollers in their hair to their bonnet <laughs> to their do rag. I've seen everything. No judgment. <laughs> Period. What made you choose that field? Oh gosh. Well, if you ask like my family and friends, they say, "Well, because you're surrounded by crazy people, anyways." Talking about themselves. <laughs> um, but really, I was torn between being a lawyer or a therapist, and I just knew I wanted to help. But I don't really have a competitive bone in my body. The person I'm competing against is myself. Yeah. So being a lawyer was kind of out of the picture because you had to be very competitive and I was drawn to healthy people and it was the right choice. Definitely no regrets. Nice. Yeah, see, I mean, I was like, I know some friends in high school that went, they was like, yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer. I said, okay, I'm going to give you a call when I need you. <laughs> Just so I know I'm being <laughs> mean, See, that's the good thing about being a therapist. When people are like, oh, you could no, you're, you're family. I can give you some names, but not me. Yeah, yeah. See, because now, like, your family oh, already yeah. know your business. That's ain't that mm-hmm. kind of like? Do oh. you like subconsciously start diagnosing the people around you in your life? Oh heck no! It off? No, <laughs> no, no. It's it's too much. Like people think diagnosing is so easy, but you gotta like think about all these little things. So mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. I'm not doing therapy work, once I've clocked out for the day, I'm done. <laughs> oh wow okay but i know you actually take some of you like you know what you do and also take it home as well maybe add to your lifestyle maybe whether it's dealing with your kids or like you know outside like conflict outside of just like regular like a grocery store you know what i'm saying like how yeah. like what what do you actually take home with you just like dealing with kids and other lifestyle things so yeah i think I see it more like dealing with my kids is that mm-hmm. I'm very much like, tell me how you're feeling, use your feeling words. Um, mm-hmm. My eldest has actually turned it back around on me, which I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I'll be upset and be like, you're not using your feeling words. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's where I see it a lot is with my kids and then my spouse, you know, just going off on, you know, latest therapeutic interventions I want to use. And they're like, yeah, we're not doing couples therapy again. We already did premarital. So oh. not allowing me to use them as a guinea pig sometimes. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, when you get into like marital disputes, how does that, like how does your psychology come into play? Like, do you try to, I don't know, try to think for him, like get in his head? I would never do that. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> his head is somewhere <laughs> I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> 
And Han, if you end up watching this, I'm sorry, but it's true. I don't want to be in your head. Um, <laughs> no, I think for me, I just, the way I look at it is that I see so many couples come in on the brink of divorce and I just go, I don't want that for myself. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with divorce. I want to say that there's nothing wrong with divorce. If you need one, you need one. But I personally don't want it for myself. So it makes me go, okay, what, what am I willing to do differently? Because I don't want to go through it. Divorce is hard. Yeah, it seems like a lot. It definitely makes sense. Like, even, I know I know the pandemic definitely, like, divorce increased. Mm-hmm. I was like, because now you're actually at home with your spouse. Like, I'm saying, you yeah. 24, it's make 24-7. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I know people grow. Also, mm-hmm. then you forget people grow. So now you got to catch up to this person that you don't know anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're actually face-to-face. It's like that's wow like i don't know you anymore like that term <laughs> that we hear in movies all the time i don't know you anymore it's like no you don't i grew from this person you know what i'm saying oh yeah yeah that's crazy to me I didn't even yeah before the pandemic mm-hmm. most people didn't spend a lot of time at home with their spouse you maybe spent maybe two three hours at night before you went to bed but right. yeah. y- you were doing chores taking care of kids and pets and all that other stuff so the pandemic really just made people look at each other and go who are you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like like this is something new. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. saying, and then we also like we're like, as we are actually in homes now, we it's time for to have those conversations. You know what I'm saying that we didn't oh, yeah. have. Maybe we at work too much and we're avoiding these conversations now. Like no. people don't like to sit and make eye contact. It's just like, like make eye contact is like really like you're looking into someone's soul. It's like, tell me. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, let me know something. Learn me something. <laughs> <laughs> so what's really odd is I don't, like, require people to make eye contact when they're talking. Um, So I am neurodivergent myself, and I hate making eye contact. So when I work with couples, it's I tell them it's more about your body language. Eye contact's a part of it, but it's more about your body language. Are you leaning into your spouse? Are you leaning away? Um. What are you doing with your hands? Do you have like an openness to you? So a lot of couples, when they were, you know, talking to each other for really the first time in a long time when the pandemic first hit, a lot of them were closed off. So mm-hmm. it, that's what it was. It was just very closed off. I don't know you. This is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to be in the house for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> Facts. I yeah. sure did not sign up for that. That's why I don't get when people actually work with their their spouse, like their partner. I'm mm-hmm. like, you go to work and then come back home with the yeah. same. Yeah, that's nah. pretty nice, right? <laughs> I feel like space is for sure a really big thing in relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm even learning that. I'm a oh, yeah. codependent um, kind of lover myself, <laughs> um, but I'm starting to value or find the value in just like being alone and. I don't know, doing things on my own. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're always, I don't know, like, I'm not in like no serious relationships, but for the back to the eye contact thing, I always make contact, eye contact when I'm talking this to This dude makes it a game. Like, he tries to make people <laughs> uncomfortable with his eye contact. So, somebody told me that too. Somebody said I can stare into somebody's eyes for like 45 minutes I, and not oh even. Oh, goodness, no. Not yeah. even care. I'm like, Okay, I like to look at people when I talk to them, you know, just to make sure they have my full undivided attention. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Some people can't even do that, just look away. And like, I, I think it's the confidence that I build up in myself. You know what I'm saying? Because not yeah. even, I don't know, it's like that conversation is like, I'm sure about myself. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to make that contact. I'm going to be direct with you. I'm going to be here listening in a space with you. I don't know. I think it's something that has to do with that, though. I, I feel like 
normally I'm pretty good at eye contact, but if I think about it like that, that's uh-huh. when I get nervous and I'm like, oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I looking for? Yeah, yeah. Like now I feel like I can't look at y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely something that's been crazy. And also, like, I'm not, like, codependent. I don't know. Like, I think that's just how my parents raised me. It's just, like, it's like, because, like, when it comes to parenting, it's just, like, you have to do something. You know what I'm saying? In order for me to do something for you, it's just, like, not necessarily a compromise because you want your parents to be there and actually support you. But it's, like, you have to, like, work hard. You know what I'm saying? We're not just doing everything for you. One day you're going to be out here on your own. You need to be able to like, and like, I keep saying that in like, but but when it comes to like not holding hands, like I think my parents actually, it didn't take a while for them to like let go of my hand. It's like shouting me, like shielding mm-hmm. me or whatever. It's just like, you're this age now, or you're like, you're just mature, or we see this in you. You know what I'm saying? Like, here, here you go. Show me what you can do. I think that's right. why I'm so dependent, though. It's like because my mom, my mom is actually a, like the strongest woman I know. Come on, now, like everybody. Mom I can co-sign that though. Your <laughs> right. mom is dope. Oh Thanks. my gosh, I, appreciate I love it. your mom. <laughs> yeah, so my mom was like, and I know all the hard work that my mom's been like doing because she's a nurse practitioner. So it's like, oh okay, and like, well, like, come on now. So it's like I have no other choice than to step up, live up to it, right? <laughs> you know what I'm so it's like, okay, let's go. Period. I would show y'all. So I think that's my only thing with like codependent though. So I was like, okay. So that doesn't sound like codependent to me. That sounds like a healthy relationship. Oh yeah. She doesn't sound like a healthy relationship. Some people actually like cleanliness and then some people is like, oh, I'm standoff-ish. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh yeah, I'm dating someone, but it's not like. Yeah. I don't understand people like that. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> I, I oh, there's know. a difference. There's a real difference between being codependent. Like codependent is like, I want to, I can't do anything without you. I need you around. Mm-hmm. I want to breathe the same air you breathe. I need you to help me with things. And then there's interdependent, which is I do better when you're around, but I can also stand on my own two feet. So mm-hmm. when you were like describing your relationship with your mom, that's more like inter- interdependent. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that mm-hmm. seems that's yeah. like that's good information to know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm definitely taking implying all this in my relationships. I I'm so quick to cut people off though. I don't care. <laughs> like if I do not like your mindset, please lose my number. That's just me. That's just I me. Mean, yeah, honestly, that's say, a better approach. Mm-hmm. It says a lot about how your mom raised you too, honestly. Because <laughs> no, yeah, I feel like I don't know. It's hard for me to cut people off. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have no problem with it. I yeah no I just I will try as hard as I can as many times as I can to uh-huh. keep certain people in my life even if they're not necessarily supposed to be in my life yeah <laughs> that's crazy but that's also that's how I love people better I remember one day you sent me a text you was like sometimes I feel like I, I talk too much you was like I, I sometimes I feel like I talk too much or do too much but then I, again I forget that you know me I was like and you love me for me I was like yes I do can you please. Because I was apologizing to you, and I was like, okay, wait, like, I don't have to, like, it's just Kiva, calm down. Right. <laughs> I'm like, girl, what is, like, I was like, are you avoiding or something? Like, come on, you've been, like, you've been hanging, like, we've been going to the club, everything, and then she just disappeared. I was like, okay, but that's not me cutting you off. I just, it's hard for me to, I'm bad at communication. I just, it's hard oh, for yeah, me to, Oh, yeah, she be ignoring my text know. messages and everything. It's not ignoring, I'll see it, acknowledge it, and then seven other things will happen. You don't acknowledge nothing. Okay. I'd be left on delivered for like a whole week and then she replied. I said it's too late now. What I didn't forget. For? It's because I don't forget. I just I get sidetracked. But I love you. 
Because we have too much stimulus coming in at the same time. So when you got this going on, this going on. No, honestly. Some things fall, really fall to the wayside for a little bit. <laughs> that also protects my mental health. Because like me, I'm like a very, I vibrate. I know I vibrate at a high frequency. You know what I'm saying? But when somebody else lower, like with low frequency, they don't think well of themselves or just like, oh, I'm, I literally have asked people questions to see where their mindset is. So I'm not going to say if it makes me uncomfortable, but if I continue to have conversations with you and you continue to have, like, make it seem like there's a conflict, that says a lot about you than it is with me. So I, that's why I cut people off. I have no problem cutting people off because I'm protecting my peace versus mm-hmm. don't even care about yours. You, I'm you, good. Like, let here. them know you're cutting them off or is it kind of like a silent, like, ghost? Like- um, no, but I am about to tell this one girl to lose my number, yo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Usually it is. Luigi... Sometimes it is a silent cutoff. Like you will see me remove you from Snap. Like I don't care. But now it does come to a point where I actually have to physically tell someone, lose my number. Do you think it's important, like, to communicate the fact that you no longer want somebody in your life? Like, is that something that? Mm. I, honestly, I, 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 I think there's a benefit this. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me answer this. I don't think it is because you was not here in the beginning. You was not here when I came out my mama womb. You was not here from this house, so okay, I don't fair. have to. I just feel like, I don't know, if I've made a connection with somebody or if someone's made a connection with me and then I no longer serve their purpose in their life and vice versa, it would just be nice. But what if you, they never served the purpose in your life in the first place? They were just there for conversation. And it wasn't like the best conversation. I can go get the That's best conversation. No purpose. Conversation is a purpose. Okay. You got me there. <laughs> you got me there. But yes, can you answer that question though? Like, do that person deserve an answer for the cutoff? I think as long as it's healthy for you in order to give them like an answer, then it's important to give them that. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we, if somebody like just cuts us out of their life without a mm-hmm. reason, it's a loss. Okay. And we may not like view it as a loss. Like, oh, well, we didn't talk every day. We didn't hang out or a lot, but it's still a loss. And people wonder why that loss occurred. So at least telling them like, hey, I think we're on different paths in life. I'm not down with what you are doing. So I think it's best if, you know, we just end our friendship here. At least they have an answer for that loss. Instead of going like, what did I do? What did I say? What happened? You know, are they okay? And then I will say, most most people are not here when you come out of your mama's womb. <laughs> but, but, you know, Bear all things, our parents leave tend to leave this earth before we do. So who are we gonna have when they are gone? Oh yeah, you're, you're right about that one. Yeah. Okay, you just keep hitting me with points. Yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> 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 that was this guy hit with okay, okay. But yeah, so when we're actually dealing with like either conflict or you know in the relationship or just friendship wise, like because I know. Maybe the pandemic, you know, people, a lot of people are using the pandemic as an excuse. You know what I'm saying? And then now mm-hmm. we're actually out, we're growing, we're back in the work field. Like, how should we deal with these, you know, new beginnings, ending things, whether it's too much stress, whether it's work, school? Like, where are some coping mechanisms that we should actually look into or use to even communicate, yeah. communicate better with the people around us? Yeah. So when it comes to communicating, whether it's like with your significant other, a good friend or something, I always say lessen distractions. Mm-hmm. And distractions doesn't mean like, okay, we're in an empty room and it's just the two of us talking. I mean, don't be scrolling on social media. Don't try to like cook dinner and do all this stuff at the same time. Just even 10 minutes of undivided attention 
can make you have a really worthwhile conversation and understand where both of you guys are at. Okay. So definitely with that. And then honestly, I think one of the biggest things that happened in the pandemic that I hope we tend to keep with ourselves is not overscheduling ourselves. Yeah. Because it's that ability to just relax and not have any weight on you. So with a lot of people going back to work outside of the home and kids back in school and all these other things, it's like, oh, gosh, we're going to get back to that. Like, OK, we have to be here at five and here at seven and here at, you know, 10 and there's no time to rest and just be. I definitely think that's my problem, because, yeah. like, I think yeah. staying busy mm-hmm. is like being productive. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's if there's no holes in my schedule, I don't have any excuse to not do something like I don't have no excuse to like rest. And at that time, if I don't rest, the devil ain't trying to get me. You know what I'm saying? I, I can actually be productive, do things step by step. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I don't know. I think I like being productive. I like being busy. But rest is productive. Rest allows your body to heal, your mind to heal. Um, so it is very productive. So That's we're robbing ourselves of that productivity. Because I don't like to sleep. I go about saying sleep is for suckers. So I, that's just me. So, and also, I want, <laughs> like, so if you don't sleep, <laughs> if you don't sleep, you are actually doing a disservice to your physical and mental health. There are so many studies that show that if people who go years without quality sleep tend to have more mental health issues, tend to have more physical health issues because you're not giving that. Your body needs to sleep in order to rest in order to do vital repairs of like your soft tissues, your muscles and stuff take place when you're asleep. Your brain codes memories when you're asleep. Mm-hmm. So you are doing yourself a disservice by not sleeping. Also, I definitely skipped dance class yesterday and slept, overslept. And you know what? I didn't even get mad at myself. I, mean, I was like, you no, probably I'm needed it. Yeah, yeah. Go back. great. That's why I didn't get mad. I was like, no, let's let me sleep. You know what I'm saying? Because I work out like... I literally have a whole morning routine, a whole night routine. And then other than that, in between, I'm dancing, working. I'm I'm always doing something. Mm-hmm. So it's like that time you actually find to rest, you have to take it. Because I like, oh, yeah. like I said, like I like being productive. I like being busy. Sleep is for suckers. Yeah, no, that nap would have made me, if I would have woke up pissed off that I fell asleep. Like I, I'm big on not feeling like, or I don't like to feel like I've wasted my time. And to me, See, like that's... a nap in the middle of the day like that, yeah, made me feel like, are you serious? Like, I just missed dance class. Are you freaking serious? serious? Yes. <laughs> I hate sleep. I hate taking naps. I wake up. The latest I ever wake up is 6 a.m. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then. I can't be six. I'm up like nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's too late. That is too late. I get mad. I get mad at myself. I don't make it to the gym on time because I had yeah. to be at the gym by 6 or 6.30 in order to have a productive workout. If I don't, I get mad at myself. Then I have to work out that night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I hate being late, period. You're yeah. very disciplined. Yeah, I am working on my discipline because I definitely fell off a track a while ago, and I was like, "Nope, I gotta get, I gotta get up, I got, I got that, have to have that mumble mentality." Definitely, that's that's just me. Like, I have to stay on course. Can I ask you a question, like, just as a black therapist? Yeah. Do you ever have problems with um, like, just black men coming into therapy, like them? I don't know. There's just a big stigma in my family when it comes to mental health. And so I've been mm-hmm. talking to my dad and my uncles and everybody about like reaching out to somebody and just they need to talk to somebody like they've got trauma yeah. and they hate to admit like, do you just do you see that in the field? Like, do you ever have patients like that? So the black men that I have had in therapy before, 
are usually coming when they've kind of hit a point of desperation. Mm-hmm. And just like everybody else, they're looking for somebody who's going to listen without judgment. Um, and honestly, I think they're often very surprised that there's not judgment coming from me as a black woman towards them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We already know. <laughs> um, but it isn't there for me. And a lot of them have told me, you know, I, I've had several over the years who come in just for, you know, I just need to check in mm-hmm. with somebody I know who cares without wanting something for me. Oh, so just so to be important, like just to get everything mm-hmm. out. Okay, dang. Like a venting, like someone just to vent to. Yeah. Someone like, a lot, I think a lot of people mistake that for like a good friend yeah. or actually they just go to a good friend and think like, oh yeah, this is it. You know what I'm saying? A judge-free zone where I can actually talk to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially a black woman. Oh, sh- sh- shit, she a part of my culture. You know what I'm saying? I feel comfortable around her instead of going to a white woman office and trying to display my cultural problems maybe that she may not get you know what i'm saying right. so but that comfort zone one because you are a black woman and Thank i you so much for going into this field right so i need to talk to <laughs> someone that would understand me i feel like that's i think that's dope like that is that will release a lot of i don't know and just i don't know stress Right. It'll be like take weight off your shoulder because a lot of people a lot of black people walking around like the weight is on their shoulders right it's oh, due yeah. to life marriage kids now i got work the world is always fighting like, against the world bro. yeah the world is always fighting against me so mm-hmm. i'm at home sometimes i don't maybe my partner is going through the same thing and i can't put that unload this pack onto them you know what i'm saying we don't have right. anyone to unload to so i i think that's pretty dope just well, to I check never in even saw venting as therapy too yeah like you just getting it all out and just being yeah like you ever have someone that brings you peace like you can just talk to them and okay, their yeah. voice is just like, wow, I feel so much better after that. Okay. Yeah. I got a person like that. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, like, like, this is like, oh, really? You're listening. I can talk to you. Like, I'm comfortable. Yeah. My spirit, my soul is comfortable, comfortable with you. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something like that. That's crazy. I even tried um, when I, I had a car accident my freshman year of college. And so I had to, or I went into therapy afterwards, just kind of talk through the trauma mm-hmm. of it all. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. therapist was an Asian lady and she was amazing. It was a lot better than the white man that I had before, but it's just like a lot of like nuances I had to explain to her. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's certain things I feel like a black lady would just get. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's nice to not have to explain little things. Like you, somebody who looks like you, like somebody, like you look like me. We literally got the same hair right now. Like, this <laughs> <is> <laughs> I don't know. Right. Because then you get comfortable. Yeah, there's a comfort that comes with having a therapist who understands like the nuances. And I definitely say like where race is a big aspect of it, I think it's a good thing to always, if you can, at least kind of interview your therapist Mm -hmm. and to see if you're a good match. Because I may not be a good match for everybody. I grew up um, in Southern California. I grew up in Orange County. So kind of a richer area. I wasn't rich. But over your area. <laughs> <laughs> so I may miss some nuances of somebody who grew up in the country or the city and things like that. So why race is a big one. It, you just need to see if you're going to connect on that. I feel like, yeah, because race isn't everything. I feel like a mm-hmm. lot of my problems would be very different if I was a white woman, you know? Like, I don't know. It could just be in my head. Like, it probably mm-hmm. isn't that deep. But to me, I feel like my race impacts everything I go through in life. So mm-hmm. it's just like I wouldn't. Like, even how me saying that, like, if I was yeah. a white woman to be different, I feel like if it was my counter, I'd have to explain that to her. 
Like, I feel like mm-hmm. y'all literally get it. Get it, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we're walking down the same street as you. Different shoes, but the, we're like... Same experience, yeah, though. So, just because yes. we Like, not even the same, just because we're the same skin color. Yeah, same skin color. It doesn't even matter. I remember I was watching a video of some dark-skinned woman. She was explaining, saying it doesn't... No, colorism. She was explaining colorism. Mm-hmm. How, like, if there was a light-skinned girl, she would get shot first. I said, well, y'all would still get shot. <laughs> it, <laughs> it does not matter. It's like, and then we, we, I don't know, we go through this stereotypical type or like, like you said, oh yeah, I would feel better. Like, I think life would be different if I was white. Of course, we all feel that way, but we wouldn't know because we, we technically can't experience True, that. white women can go through things that I can mm-hmm. never imagine. And like, it's just something, like I'm not a white and, woman. And right, and it's that cultural thing. We always think mm-hmm. the grass is green on the other side, but we wouldn't know until like we get that experience. I think that's, that's one thing. And also like, like white people, how they embrace our culture. It's like you you still not you're still not walking in my shoes, but you like what right. I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? It's like okay. I can do a whole podcast on that topic <laughs> alone. Go ahead and start. Let me hear something. Go I ahead. Just, Go I ahead have, speak for me. We have a mutual friend in high school actually. I'm not gonna drop names, but they just I feel like you know, yeah. They they have always in my head have been an appreciator of our culture. Mm-hmm. But recently mm-hmm. we had a conversation and during the conversation he was explaining to me how he hates or no, he said he hates. He can't stand that he can't claim black culture as his own. He's a white man, fully white. Oh. Um he hates that because he's got oh, I don't wanna expose him. Sorry. So yeah, he said he hates that he can't express black culture as his own because he grew up around it. And it's true, he has had black friends um all his life and you know it, he has literally been invited to the cookouts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I can I keep telling you like, like the cookout, like don't care. I can, not even invited. I can understand his connection to the culture and I was trying to validate him on that, but it's just like me trying to explain to him his the privilege. I was like, you are privileged. You, you hate the fact that us black people are not allowing you to do something. Like you can't have my culture. Like you mm-hmm. can, you can admire it. And he said, he'll, if you ask him, he's not, he'll never say he appropriates it. He always says I have black influence. Mm-hmm. I admire my black friends. I admire a lot of black people. Like, yeah. He, he chooses his words wisely yeah. and expresses it. This it. But then at the end of the day where he's like, I hate that. I can't just say this is my culture. Cause I mean, I grew up in it like that. Like it just, it, like, even though he's saying all the right things and doing all the right things, you still, at the end of the day, have that white mentality, that, yeah. that privilege, that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, damn. <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes- but honestly, when it comes to culture, like in America, in America, in the United States, mm-hmm. we're one of the few places like where culture is cut off. You can't just claim a culture because you grew up in it. We look at race, culture, ethnicity, all wrapped into one exactly. thing. Whereas other places in the world, you culture and, and race are two different things so you could be one race but if you grow up in that that cult another culture you're that race and that other culture so mm-hmm. it, we're we're very nuanced about like those three things are the same thing and really they're not you could be one race a different ethnicity and a different culture true very true because somebody I, I am a black woman i do i identify as a black woman but i grew up in hispanic culture i do have hispanic family members and i i'm more likely to be found at a quinceanera than i am to be found at the backyard barbecue mm-hmm. no same i was gonna so, say what's for orange county real quick because i grew up in compton and that's not that far <laughs> um this goes again grew up in a rich area i am not rich costa mesa newport beach costa mesa okay <laughs> <laughs> right that's why yeah. i kind of qualified that i grew up in a rich area yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I see why you gotta go ahead and mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's like data point. That's that's money. <laughs> but no, I feel it. I grew up in Compton, but obviously I don't have the mannerisms as a typical black girl from Compton. Mm. And that was always a situation out here, just like being because I grew up, yeah, mostly around Hispanics and stuff mm. like like if you look at Compton and Linwood now, it's literally little Mexico. Like it's <laughs> the people around me. And so I don't know, moving out here, not fitting the stereotypes and what I was supposed to do and supposed to look like or supposed to sound like was a challenge for sure. Yeah. Not me being frozen like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and, and that's the thing. And it, again, it's the nuance of the United States is that we wrap culture, ethnicity and race all into one where other places in the world, they are seen as distinctly separate things because they really are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think um, like in the States, something that makes us like a little different from everywhere else is that like we're such a diverse country, yeah. like race wise, like most other countries are pretty like homogenous and mm -hmm. then like, you know, like it's like predominantly like white people or like whatever like race is predominant there. So. Yeah, definitely. And also like, I think I want to say just to be like, like what Zanaya was saying, like she's not that typical, that stereotype black girl, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, Black girls, ain't they more mature and also supposed to be pregnant at the age of 16 plus, you know what I'm saying? The amount of people at work that ask me if I have a kid, bro. Yeah, the disrespect. It feels so microaggressive. Yeah, like, like yeah. do you do you have a kid? Right. I, I was like, I'm 21. Like, it'll be a conversation like that. Uh -huh. Like, they'll know my age. Like, I don't know. It's just like, why would and you they, And they think that's normal. Yeah. For them, they think it's normal. And it's like, okay. Like, props to me for not, props to us for not having kids. Uh -huh. Shout out to all of us. Shout out folks in right. our 20s. Yeah, thanks. My parents raised me right. You know what I'm saying? Well, not even right or wrong. It's just, why is that the only, like, why? I don't know. Like, Why, why do you think you, that's a conversation starter? Yeah. Why would you think to ask me that? It, yeah, like, why does that have to be? I I don't know. I just, I hate the assumption. I, I, I oh, think yeah. that's what it is at the end of the day. I hate, same thing with my my mannerisms and everything. I hate the assumption that mm -hmm. I'm not. Or even when I go into like to shake a, a man's hand, they will always be like, oh, you got a nice grip. Or like even in middle school, oh, you talk proper. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I speak proper. Okay, like, I can't. Because I used to be very anti-Black when I lived in Compton. It was the, <laughs> I don't know what it was. It's just, I blame social media. I blame oh, pop yeah. culture for sure. Because everything around me always told me these things were bad. And I was always that Black girl who was like, like my sister, she speaks more AADE than me. Okay. I do. And I'd be like, that's not proper. You can't say it like that. Like, that's not how that works. And so I don't know. I, I can't really. I'm a hypocrite if I. Oh, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> if I go, I have to unlearn those tendencies and things like that. I yeah. think at some point we're all anti black something. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are not with, most of us not with the gang banging, but we like the way. No, yeah. When you're, our culture is represented that way. And if mm -hmm. you don't feel like you connect with that, then like, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. Cause I didn't listen to rap in middle school. And stuff. I'm listening to Paramore and stuff like. That. I love Paramore. Oh, hey, hey, so come on now. Hey. <laughs> I don't care. Everybody love that. Come on. But no, I don't know. I just, I guess, I hate the assumptions around. I, I, everything is race with us. I hate that. Yes, people don't understand that. Yes, and everything seems. Everyone wants to be so quick to divide. That's what it is. If it's not. All black lives matter. Or well, all gay black lives matter. I'm like, dude, Yo, no, that was weird oh. during the pandemic when all the like different variations. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was so right. weird. And I was like, we're in the same boat. Yeah. They will see your skin color before they see your sexuality. Mm -hmm. They do not care if your chain, I don't care if their chain is shinier than mine. We're still wearing chains. <laughs> I know that. Like this does not, it doesn't matter at this point. Like, why are you trying to make it a different fight? That's why we're so divided now, because we can't pick a side. That part. Like there's I, too many sides. Too many sides. <laughs> Too many sides to one story. I mean, 
But part of it is just the way we're wired. And I will never say division is good. But part of the way our minds are wired is to form into this group in order for protection. Mm-hmm. Because you have to think we're not that far removed from, you know, being hunters and gatherers and all the other stuff. And the people who look like you, the people that you bonded with, that's the, that was your protection and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So we still, when we're under pressure, when we're scared, when we're in trouble, we immediately go back to that. And we divide, divide into groups that we feel safe and comfortable in. And we know we're going to essentially have our back. Okay. Yeah. That definitely does make more sense. Like we, we retreat to what we, what we know. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what we do. I was going to say at school, I for sure gathered towards the black people before I started making friends with people of other races, just because it felt like safe. Yeah. I remember in, uh, cause I'm from St. Louis. That's where like a lot of black people are anyway. So I had a lot of black kids in my classroom. You know what I'm saying? I really, I seen how, Black boys would react, and then how black girls would. Black girls, oh yeah, you get you ever heard? Oh, girl, you acting fast. You need to go sit down. Okay, that's like I would see hear a lot of that. Like mm-hmm. little, little girls acting fast with me, little boys' faces. It's like okay, and then you see the little boys trying to act all cool, do flips. <laughs> <laughs> and then now I come here in middle school, I'm seeing like these white kids, Mexicans. I'm like. This is new. It's a different yeah. environment. <laughs> this, this is new. Uh, okay. And then I'm still seeing less of us anyway. So, you know what I'm saying? We've been friends since like middle school. That's crazy. That ass, yeah. And then I'm just like, okay. And now we, we're friends with the Mexicans. Now Mexicans think it's okay to say the N-word. Okay. Cool. Then we got white kids over here trying to fit in with us because we the cool kids anyways. Mm-hmm. I think when, I don't know, it's kind of, when you're that young, I don't know. I don't know. Because I used to let my friends say the N-word. I didn't know any better. Oh, like it's, when you're that, I used to hate that in school when they taught slavery and stuff like that, I hated feeling so separated. I hated mm-hmm. feeling like not like everyone else. And so I think I tried very hard to assimilate mm-hmm. and I would let, yeah. So dang. Yeah, no, I, I, I never cared. I even had an argument with the teacher because he was teaching us uh, the advantages and disadvantages of having slaves. I said, do you not know you huh? have a black child in this classroom? That's just like I said, why is this even in your curriculum? Thing. He couldn't even explain it. He was so flabbergasted by what I said. Yeah. <laughs> but those okay, are, no. That's a macroaggression. It's, you mm-hmm. know, the way history is taught to us. Mm-hmm. And so when you are a Black child being taught that history, you internalize it one way or another. And a lot of times that, would, that brings you to therapy in the future. Well, a part of what brings you to therapy is the fact that you were told, like, there's benefits to slavery. Uh, to whom? That part. Right. That's right. my family. <laughs> okay, dang. Now you really got to sit here thinking about No, because I'm like, I, I've always wondered why, or not wondered, I've always blamed pop culture for why I've been so anti-Black. But if you think about it's it, in school, yeah, you're taught, like, we're inferior. Like, you're taught all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, subconsciously, I'm going to want to not be that. Because, I mean, like, who wants to be, like, the losers in history? Right. Like, mm-hmm. And it's also his story. You know what I'm saying? They're not telling, like, our... Our history has been erased. The only place you can find it is the Bible. Not to get political, I hate the fact that no one, like, I don't understand an argument against critical race theory for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate that. Like, I was excited when they first, inter- like, when the pandemic first happened and I was learning all this stuff about Black history mm-hmm. and stuff like that, I was excited. Like, it was really cool to, like, I don't know. I oh, I know about felt, this queen. What? She did yeah, what? Like that. Like, about this woman actually leading her husband and her son into battles. Yeah. So, like, it she only lost her eye. Get out. It was so empowering. And the fact that people don't want that in school, like mm-hmm. the fact that 
little 10 year old Naya's right now aren't going to get that. It it pisses me off. It's like, why wouldn't you like, how is that going to hurt anything? (laughs) And like you were saying, like that's literally why I do what I do. Like I dance, I try to keep myself in the media. I try to motivate. Cause like, I know I'm somebody's big sister and young sister at the same time. So, and even though we don't want to be in a role model, Someone's going to look up to you. They go see what you do. You're always being watched. So for those little black girl, boys and girls who will come across my page, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Go ahead and do it. You want to be, you want to be an astronaut. Go ahead and be an astronaut. You want to be a ball player. Do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, because of course we want at some point we all wanted to be, well, how come I'm not like that kid? How come I don't have what that no, kid yeah. has? You know what I'm saying? No, make that come from yourself. That's why I do what I do because I know there's some little black girl, black boy looking up to me who want to do the same thing, who want to be cool, who want to be an influencer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're, we as black people have to lead that way to them and show them you can do it too. That I'm doing it for you. Like you. Like I, it's amazing. Like I am loving sitting here staring at you. Like, all those letters after your name and everything. Right. <laughs> when you when I made that tweet, I was like, wait, what? Somebody actually replied. <laughs> and then I was like, when I confirmed your date for the appointment, I went to I went to tell my parents. I was like, oh. mom, dad, like we got y'all, black therapist. I got black therapist like on my show. I was like, yo, I was so geeked. And now people like at first it wasn't even like I started I started this podcast in 2019. Okay. And like it wasn't I didn't know what I wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to have mm-hmm. those household conversations. You know what I'm saying? That a lot of people don't get. Because my parents are very open when it comes to us. comes to the children. You know what I'm saying? We're not too sheltered from the conversation. If this conversation is needed, we're going to have it. Not a lot of right. people are having those conversations. They're not having I those conversations. Yeah, I used to too. And then my mom was like, no, the world is not a place for this. So I'm going to show you myself. I like that your mm-hmm. mom like waited until you were a mature age and then switched up. Because my parents yeah. like just now realized, oh, maybe we shouldn't have sheltered her her whole life. Like yeah. She's kind of not grasping things. Like. Yeah, I think I think it's because when you always have a younger child and they that they start watching everybody else. And like my little sister is very mature for her age. Because mm-hmm. she's Imani. Like she was the last one. Yeah, she came up watching everybody, watching everybody else. So yeah, but my parents, they was like, okay, it's time to have this conversation because the world will teach you this before I haven't get a chance to. So let me jump on this board right now. Conversation yeah. So that's really why I started the, uh, Gen Z. It's like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure what my parents teach me at home, I tell my friends. Like yep. whether it's my mom's been a nurse practitioner saying, hey, no, this is good for women. You know what I'm saying? Take this, drink this, do this. I'm telling my friends. My friends like, oh, heck yeah. Because they know my mom's background. They was like, oh yeah, I'm mm-hmm. doing this too. Tell your mom things. You know what I'm saying? It's That's like, right. it's always it's always that. So I, what my mom is telling me, what my dad is telling me, I'm telling my friends, I'm passing it along. Because not a lot of people get to have those conversations. So that's why I really started Gen Z. And now we're here. Mm-hmm. I have like, we're doing real like special guests. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I'm trying to do it big. <laughs> But no, I mean, you're you're helping to create that community. And mm-hmm. truthfully, that's one of the things that's been lost over the years is a sense of community and mm-hmm. knowing that you have people to turn to for reliable information really? for back. Yes. So you are helping to build that community. And we know in the mental health world, when people have a healthy community, they mm-hmm. are less likely to have mental health issues. And if they do have mental health issues, they're less likely to be severe. So yes. it's important. Yes, that's def- that's definitely because I don't think growing up I even maybe I did have like 
You know, because we all would go through that mental growth when we just try and find ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I never took the step to actually go to therapy or do I need help. At one point I did because I was depressed. When I'm like I said, like if I'm not being productive, I get I get depressed. It's like I'm not doing something. So let me and it's like I don't know why I'm feeling like this. Yes, you do. You're not being productive. Okay, well, why is that? Why do I get depressed when I'm not being productive? Do I need to go see somebody about this? Like and then I know some people actually took it to a point where they did go see a therapist and they got diagnosed <laughs> with different stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay. Um, and like, what point do we, do you, does, does everybody need a therapist? Should we all just, cause I know. Honestly, I, I, think I think everybody at some point in time could benefit from a therapist in their life. I'm a therapist. You have seen a therapist. Mm-hmm. I will openly admit that. And I found it beneficial when I saw a therapist for myself. Um, but I think some things are systemic issues. And instead of sending any, everybody to therapy for systemic issues, we need to address those systemic issues. Mm-hmm. So for example, productivity is one of like the biggest things I hear people coming like, I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel like I've achieved anything unless I've accomplished all this off of my TV list. That's a systemic mm-hmm. issue in our country that we are obsessed with being productive and always being busy and not putting rest first so as a therapist part of my advocacy because i believe as a therapist part of my role is advocacy Mm -hmm. is getting away from this idea that we have to be consistently productive like i'm not gonna lie before i joined even though i joined early um your podcast i i took a nap because it's what i needed okay i did not take any naps today but um (laughs) probably should have had a long day yeah. I'll stop being anti-nap after this conversation. Yeah, I'm definitely anti-nap. <laughs> so I have to plug um, somebody. There's this um, woman, and I cannot remember her name right now, but she has an organization called the Nap Ministry. She's a black woman. Mm-hmm. And it is all about um, reclaiming rest, especially in the black community, mm-hmm. as an act of rebellion, because we weren't allowed to rest. No, We mm-hmm. always had to be working. Mm-hmm. We had to be productive. So I would really check her out. She has so much good stuff out there. I can't remember her name, but her organization is called the Nap Ministry. She's on uh twitter she's on instagram and i think on facebook as well okay well we in that right now so, yeah. the nap wait wasn't it the nap industry, industry. the nap ministry ministry a ministry, ministry. Yep. ministry. ministry. yeah I'm, okay now i just gotta find a time where it's taking my nap in it because every day is a different day mm-hmm. so now i just gotta find the time to actually do it didn't you why did you go to therapy sorry not to put you on blast yeah, 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 yeah. no no i talked about that so it was like two years ago. I had like school, I had work, I had a bunch of things going on. Um, at the time, like I just, I just, I was going through a lot. So I was like, just like got depressed, mm-hmm. and it got to a point where you know I felt like I just needed to go talk to somebody. So I went to like the schools counselors or whatever. Um, and like similar to what you said, like I, I think what I learned there was just like being okay with like the things that I had done so far, not like having so much pressure on myself to like. Mm-hmm. You know, succeed and like achieve all the time mm-hmm. yeah and yeah was... as a black man did you feel weird walking into the therapist's office um yeah yeah oh, it, was, okay. it was like the, my the therapist i was talking to he's from new zealand so it's kind of cool with the accent so i think that mm-hmm. kind of like disarmed me a little bit cause, you know he had something interesting about him but um i was definitely anxious going in didn't know what yeah. to expect and just like opening up like it's hard to open up mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so i've never had that problem I yeah. think, I think, <laughs> right? No, I'm not. Story? I'm not. I think, I think, isn't that a problem with black people? Even artists and creators, mm. anyway. We have, 
well, black people want, I'm gonna start with this. We do have a problem with being vulnerable because we think we gotta be strong all the time. Mm, Even yeah. our black women, well, we gotta be strong all the time. It's like, oh, I gotta do everything by myself or it's not gonna get done. We mm. have that mentality. And then as artists, we are her, Erica Badu. I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. That part. Because mm -hmm. we're, we're vulnerable. Artists are vulnerable anyway. You know what I'm saying? We, mm -hmm. You don't get good art by being invulnerable. Yeah. When I'm open up, this is where my best work comes from. I'm letting people in. And even the art is, is I don't think, I won't say it's wrong, but the art is not, you don't get the art, the artist. You know what I'm saying? You get the best people from the viewer. You get to know the perspective of the viewer through somebody else's art. You learn more about the viewer through somebody else's art. Give me an example. Mm. Sorry. Okay, I don't want no Picassos or anything. It's just like how you view art or a song, That's what a breakup like. song. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm um, give me a reason by Pink. Okay. All right. You That's know what I'm saying? Yeah. At first, I did not think this was a breakup song. I was thinking like we're healing, we're coming back from something. How you view somebody else's art? Okay. How you more interpret? About, yeah, it's how it's really your perception of it. I would have never saw it as that kind. Of, I instantly saw it as like, oh my gosh, this is a tragedy breakup song. Like, that's thought, the only lens I ever saw. Right. I'm thinking we can come back from this. That's crazy. Actually, I was like, I was like, oh, we are bent, not broken. She literally said that in the lyric. I said, okay, we can come back from this. If anything, you can okay, kind no. of project yourself to the art. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the art is not for the artist. It's for you. It's no. your interpret. No, I remember I used to... Okay, so don't roast me right now, but <laughs> <laughs> there is... It's Michael Jackson, too. So I'm this really, is not a safe place, just so you know. It's not, and yeah. I already know I'm about to get thrown to the wolves, but it's fine, I'm going to say it. Um, I prefer this Glee version of a Michael Jackson song a lot better than the original version of the song because... <laughs> and I used to get so much crap when I used to show the version of the song to people. Mm -hmm. um, can we show it? Is that, like, copyright? Can we listen to it? We're not going to listen to it. You can okay. see it on top. Um, I don't know. I love Michael Jackson. He composed it beautifully. And you can tell, like, it's got him mm -hmm. all over it. When mm -hmm. the people covered the song, mm -hmm. like the Glee cast members or whatever, I remember reading somewhere that, um, uh, what's her name? It's a black girl, Mercedes. Yeah, whatever. Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Or Amber, whatever. Yeah. She was actually going through something at the same time. And I don't, like, and she helped with the composing of the way they sung it on the mm -hmm. show. And I don't, their version just hits me harder. Like it just- More emotional. Yeah, I feel like sometimes people feel mm -hmm. other people's words more than they, other people. Yes. Like I feel like, and that, I don't know. I feel like that version just kind of hammered the lyrics home. You ever, you ever been through a breakup but never been through a breakup due to a song? Oh yeah, I know. Like I forget, <laughs> uh, Yeba, it was one song about uh, by Yeba. Um, it was the song, it went viral too. And it was like, I never been, I never had my heart broken, never. But the way she sung this song and told this story, I was like, why am I crying on the inside? Yeah. Girl. I'm about to go fight this person who the people that's doing this at this point. <laughs> and that's because emotions are universal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Emotions are and universal. What, what is and that? allow us to connect because of that. Sorry, I did not catch that part. I said those songs allow us to connect because the emotions are universal. So mm -hmm. even okay. though we are we haven't gone through that breakup that they went through, we're like, mm -hmm. okay, but we know that hurt, that pain, that anger, you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Or even uh, Driver's License by Olivia. No, because I swear it's not even the most complex song. But yeah, no. It make, it was the way she told that story. Yeah. Like, I was looking forward to this point, right? But I could not make it there because you broke my heart. I was like, did somebody send you flowers? Please tell me. <laughs> did you get your flowers? Yes, sweetheart. Do you need a hug? Do you need a hug? 
Because the way she's, all right, TikTok, you know, a lot of people are more emotional than I am, but a lot of people was crying. I said, like, let me go ahead and get this. No, when it you was, listen, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I just love when artists do their jobs anyway. It's like, oh, y'all was in the studio working. Y'all took the out time with this. I get emotional mm -hmm. explaining art to other people, even movies. Mm -hmm. I get emotional. I'm like, because you can, I don't know what it is, but if I explain somebody else's art or I, I love a movie, I do get emotional. I said, you can tell they put their heart, so they put their blood on this edit. You know, they put yeah, their blood in this. Whoever cut the camera, did the audio. You can feel the passion put into You can feel the passion of somebody else's work. I get so emotional explaining creative work. No. And like that, that's just me though. I was like, yo, do you not feel they and people don't get it? Like, my, I think my parents are like, my siblings think I'm crazy when I like get emotional when I explain somebody else's work. <laughs> I, was, I don't know because I think it's that the, that's the artist and creative in me. I was like, mm -hmm. yo, you don't get it. You don't get it. Do you know what they just did? Hey, or you got to restart a song? Like, yeah, maybe like, you didn't hear it. The you way didn't I hear it the way I heard it. it. I don't know. I don't. But again, that's a community because we all connect with different things on different levels. So you as an artist yourself, you connect with it on a different level yes. than somebody who's maybe not an artist and they they appreciate it, but it's not, does it hit home the same way from artist to artist? Yeah, that's why I don't like showing people stuff because they'll never get the same. I'm like, no, like, you know, never mind, it makes me mad. I'm like, you don't get energy you want it. No, it wasn't there for me next. <laughs> I just stopped showing people stuff all together. No, I'm good over here. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, so moving forward, you know, from this podcast, where's like some things you're going to do towards the future? Maybe you want your practice to see, to do, or you no, know, elevate as you go this year. Where's some things you're looking forward to? Yeah, so one of the things I'm actively looking into, hopefully in the next, you know, two to three years, is I'd like to go from, so right now I'm in a solo practice, so it's just me. Mm -hmm. I'd like to grow to a group practice and bring on some younger interns and associates and to give them the opportunity to have a safe nurturing environment to grow as therapists because honestly um therapists go through a can i cuss on here yes please be yourself <laughs> uh, therapists go through so much shit to get mm -hmm. their license especially um therapists of minority communities black hispanic queer we go through so much shit Mm -hmm. So I just want to give them a safe environment to grow and spread their wings, whether they decide to stay with me or go on and start their own practice. I just want to have foster that environment, that community. So in the next three to five years, I hope to be able to do that. That's dope. That's dope. What are you guys planning to do with your future? You know, we and we always get this ass in school all the time towards yeah. the end of the year. No, like, See, that's something I'm trying to figure out right now. Um, I finished school like last December, so mm -hmm. I'm just working. Kind of just been taking the earlier half of this year to just chill, relax, you know, get like my because you know, like like going through school for like four years and all that working the whole time was exhausting. Mm -hmm. so oh, yeah. exhausting. I didn't even realize how exhausting it was until like I was done. Yeah, you got done, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like not being up to like one every day, just doing homework. But I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where I want to go. From here. I'm where I want to be right now. So Okay. Here. Take your time. They you know what they say. Sometimes no plan is uh, the best plan. plan. Yep. No period. Go on now. Go ahead and finish my sentences. I'm be cute. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, All right, what's um, up for you? Because no, yeah, no plan is the best plan. Mm -hmm. I'm currently just kind of um, drifting. I, um, <laughs> we did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I um I feel like from 
the start of school to like my sophomore year of college, I knew exactly what I wanted. And so when I got to the point where I realized it's not what I wanted, mm-hmm. I I went through a little like mental, like, whoa, like, what am I going to do? Like, I've always mm-hmm. just like I've worked all this time to do this one thing. And now I hate it. It, it was a pandemic. So I wanted to be um, a farm or something in pharmaceutical. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, once like COVID happened and everything with the who and I don't know, like I just hated medicine after a while. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't trust it. I feel like the masks and everything. I don't know. I just did it get boring to you? Not even that it got boring. I just couldn't I didn't it didn't feel like a good thing anymore. Because I cannot work at the pharmacy. And then that too, yeah. I'm very against pharmaceutical drugs. I don't even know why. It was more the chemistry excited me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. science. The science aspect. And yeah. then that I have always been told I've always been good at chemistry. And so I've always thought in my head, like, oh, this is what I've got to do. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's yeah. what you gotta dedicate. Like, cause I would be bored if I were to work in a lab all day, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like you just gotta think about, I don't know. I'm learning, I'm trying to learn who I am as a person and what I'm good mm-hmm. at, trying to put that together and make some money. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. Okay. Did should I answer my own question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to one grow my podcast. So I'm gonna need y'all to subscribe and follow this podcast well, on all like this on all platforms. Okay. I'm definitely trying to have this podcast as a household name. I'm trying to have parents tell their kids, did you watch that episode this week? Okay. Kiva got some good stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Turn on I want families to sit down and watch this and like and have the conversation in their own homes. You know what I'm saying? Right, like okay. how yeah, ha- right. Has you know, and then also I'm a dancer as well, so I'm definitely trying to travel across the world, do workshops, do choreography, dance on somebody's tour. I'm trying to be on Chris Brown tour. Okay, I'm yeah, trying- still touring. I've not heard a lot about Chris Brown. I definitely before the pandemic, I went to one of his concerts. Can you believe that man? Thirty three, still doing backflips. He's thirty three. Thirty three <laughs> doing backflips. Oh All right. Yeah. So I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be on somebody's <laughs> tour. Uh, somebody can call Taylor. Is Taylor Swift still making music? Because I would not mind being on her tour. Yeah, T-Swizzle is in the game. That's what I'm saying. So I'm trying to be on somebody's tour. I'm trying to I'm trying to do a lot. I'm supposed to be having a a, prof, a for-profit and non-profit. So the non-profit is to help children you know, after school program. Rather, we're, I have high schoolers come in and tutor them, help them with their homework, and also give them mentorship and whatever career they choose to pick. And then for-profit probably be no, I definitely want it to be for to get homeless, lower, try to give them a community so they can work in, make money, also learn about financial literacy. You know, we have just grow Honestly. our yeah, grow our definitely educate our own community about mm-hmm. how to recycle the black dollar within our community and reuse it. I'm just trying to grow our community is so good at that too. Yes. Like, I we had um this Passover group say I work at a hotel right now, and this Passover group brought up the whole hotel and they're all these Jewish people. And the rabbi, like the main guy of everything, mm-hmm. was just explaining to me how, like, okay, so in their community back in New York, the police response times was no, like, faster than 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. what they did within their community, they have their own emergency force. And so they have a group of just, like, neighbors and community members who will come, mm-hmm. like, you can call them as 911, and they'll get you the help you need, like, the pharmaceuticals you need, the, that would, like, things no. like that. Like, they have you their ever own... See- you ever see those? My bad, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like those 80, 80, 70 movies where you, all the white people be in the neighborhood. They had the neighborhood watch. No, Everybody literally. knew each other business. Everybody knew That's each other. How it sounds. Hey, can you go in um, across the street and check on my kids? You know, like Doors a quick that's just white people though no that's literally how he described it i thought it was beautiful yes you know what i'm saying and we don't have that we don't all lock the doors 
I feel like there's so well, much. I don't want nobody in my business. And I have to say, honestly, in the black community, when we have had that, because we have, mm-hmm. it has been systematically targeted and destroyed. Oh, and that's right. part of the intergenerational trauma that a lot of us are having to work through and heal from because we had that mm-hmm. Black Wall Street, definitely Detroit, yeah. Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. The only um, thing we didn't have was defense. That now nowadays I don't see why men, you as a man, and have a family. Why don't you have a gun or some? I know some defense so, tactics to protect your family. I, I, not to get into history because I'm a history buff as well as being a therapist. We did have defenses. The Black Panther movement in Oakland, California was started mm-hmm. as a social group and also to provide mm-hmm. defense. Do you want to know where all the gun laws came from in California? Because it was, we had, in California, there was open carry, but as a reaction to the fear that the mm-hmm. Black Panthers were helping to protect their community, they put they got all those gun laws in place where open carry went away. They made it harder to get guns. It was a direct reaction to the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. So we did have those things, but it, when we have those things, it's been systematically targeted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to take it away from us. Well, dang, we just can't win. Nope. <laughs> Isn't uh, New York Central Park that used to be a uh, Black community as well? I thought it was the yeah, Native Village. It oh, was okay. a Native American um, territory at first, and it was unfortunately taken from them. And then it was, um, I do believe it's called Seneca Village. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most prosperous uh, places in New York and was a hub for black intellects and um, property owner owners. There were schools, churches, businesses. And yes, it was taken by force in order to create the Central Park. Wow. So, so we had those things. Yep. That's the thing is, oh, how um wonderful for you to call us these, but you took everything that you have now. It it's like it's hard not to be bit. I'm bitter as hell right now. Like it's mm-hmm. hard not to have an attitude when you learn about this yeah. or even know. Like it's like I don't know. Like that just and then you look yeah about the things we go through today. It's like mm-hmm. how dare you? How dare you still be racist after all this? Like the stuff we're still in. Racism is a mental illness. I see that. Yeah, we're not gonna get, no, we're not going to get too far of that because my mom told me something. I'm not sure if I should say it, but yeah, but they can't declare it a mental illness because most more than half the country would be declared mental. So as a therapist, yeah. I will say I personally don't believe it's a mental illness. I believe it's a way of upbringing because mm-hmm. if, you, if you are brought up in a way to be open and accepting of different ideals, cultures, backgrounds, races, you will not turn out racist. A mental illness is something that no matter your background and stuff, it's still going to show itself. So there are those of us who are predisposed to depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the background we're in. We're predisposed to it. So all it takes is one event for it to be triggered. Mm-hmm. Racism mm-hmm. is something you are systematically taught. When you put babies together in a room, like I'm talking about like one years old, they don't care yeah. about the color of your they skin don't. and things like that. But you could, oh, you could tell an anxious baby straight from the back because they'll be looking at all the other babies like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> no, right. but then again it also has to start somewhere you know what i'm saying but like it's a cycle that keeps getting repeated trickle down trickle down repeat there's this video that was circulating on twitter like a couple weeks ago it was this old white man or not this old white man this middle-aged white man from the 60s and he was like it was about it was when board versus um or brown versus brown, board yeah, yeah had happened and like all the schools are integrating he was like, those niggers are not going to be integrated into my school, not in my school, not in my son's school, not in my grandbaby's school. 
And you pause and think about it. His grandbaby my age. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like, I don't know. Like, you can, it's clearly still very heavily alive. Like, yeah, you know, and it gets trickled down. And then they, it, like I say, it starts somewhere. For some reason, you think my skin color impacts your daily life. You know what I'm saying? So from no matter what you can, like I say, it starts from somewhere. So no matter what, it's going to be passed down. Because why is a cycle? We walk in, like our fear can also be a cycle as well. Don't do this because I had experience of this in the past. So you pass that down. You pass your fears down to somebody else. Oh, don't do this because it'll fail. I tried it before. Trust me. It gets passed down. No matter how big, how small, it's a repeating cycle that somehow we, like I said, it's hard to break a cycle because why it's, it's form, it's form, it's energy that's flowing. So in order to break it, you have to do some destructive thing to it in order to get out. It's, it's those systemic issues that we, that impact us on the day to day, but we don't really think about. Mm-hmm. And in order to disrupt those systemic issues, yeah, we have to do something drastic. And I'm, I'm not saying like violence or harm, but we do have to do something drastic mm-hmm. in order to shake those up. When um, my parents moved out here from California and we were giving up Section 8 and everything like that, I remember everybody in the family just being like so scared, like so scared for us and like calling mm-hmm. us crazy and stuff like that. And it's like looking back on it, it's sad now because all of, if they were to do the same thing, they could be having like we have a great life now. Like mm-hmm. they could be out of poverty. Like if they would just break that fear of needing the government. It's a mindset. Yeah, it's sad. It's a mindset. And then sometimes when you elevate your mindset, sometimes it's too late to help somebody else up because the way they think. Yeah. Some people won't even move out of the neighborhood because that's all they know. They're scared of the world. Like the world is so much bigger mm-hmm. and you're scared to move out because X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? You were, you were, and you have not even experienced your full potential because you're scared. That part. And I was like, okay. And sometimes you just got to leave. Some people will perish during this war. That's like, I hear that a lot because you can't help everybody. So that's and the, one. And that's the truth. You can't help everybody. And even as a therapist, I have to remind myself, I can't help everybody. Mm-hmm. I can be a role model. I can offer help, but people have to be willing to take that help. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's going to be willing. And honestly, sometimes we look at a situation and we go, what, why are you still here? It's not a good situation. But since we don't have their perspective, maybe their situation that they came from was worse and where they're at now it's mm-hmm. paradise compared to where they were. Yeah. So it's having that empathy that we don't know their full story. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. We supposed to wrap this show up a long time ago and we started a whole different conversation. Oh, damn. Well, <laughs> I did want to kind of plug and give you something since you were talking about you want to form your nonprofit. I have to plug somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a nonprofit in Texas kind of doing what you talked about wanting to do mm-hmm. with the youth. It's called Target Evolution, and their um, executive director, her name is Crystal Victoria. You should reach out to her. She would yes, also please. be a good person down here as well. Okay, please give me all my info, and I'll definitely reach out. Thank you so much for yeah. that. Yeah, really, networking as fine. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. I love it. So, yes, we want to wrap this episode up. Did everybody have fun? A good time? Oh, yeah. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for responding. Thank you. I really pre- have fun. You know, thank you for all the gems. Yes. Um, this conversation for sure is going to stick with me moving forward. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Oh, I really enjoyed oh, myself. Yeah. Automatically. Oh, I thought you wanted it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a wrap for Gen Z season three. And we out. <laughs>